And our lesson today is life in Christ. Life in Christ. So let's begin with the first question on page 81. What's a word or phrase that often comes up when people describe you? When people describe you, what's a word or phrase that often comes up? Hmm? <laughs> I guess faithful. Well, for me, prayer warrior. Okay. Anybody else? Man of God. Okay, man of God. All right. That's a. Uh, 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 phrase that I constantly hear from Pastor Paul Worrell. He's always commending me about that particular, in that particular way. Okay, anyone else? Words or phrase that often comes up when people describe you, when they're talking about you and you hear them. I would notice yet. I would notice yet. Okay, let's look at the Bible Meets Life then. <coughs> on page 82. Who oh. am I? That's not always an easy question to answer in one specific way. For example, <coughs> husband, father, and a friend. All of these relationships help to define me. What's certain is that how I define and see myself, my identity, will affect my thoughts and actions. The world understands this truth which is why it tries to shape how we see ourselves. Advertisers want us to see ourselves in a certain way and then believe their product will enhance that image. What truly affects our identity is how we see Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say that I am? How these men saw Jesus changed their lives because it changed how they saw themselves. The same is true for us. How we see Jesus shapes how we define ourselves. Without correctly understanding who Jesus is, we will never truly understand who we are. Consider then life's most important question, who is Jesus? Okay, and what's the point here? Jesus' identity is fundamental to who I am. Okay, whose identity is fundamental to who you are? Jesus' identity. identity is fundamental to who you are, not how people see you or how they describe you or how the world sees you, but Jesus' identity is fundamental to who I am. It's amazing how people allow the world to shape them and determine who they are, when actually it's Jesus Christ who's supposed to be do that, who's supposed to be, able to be, be doing that on a daily basis. Okay, let's look at, then at the first power passage we have on page 83. That's Luke 9, 18 to 20. While he was praying in private, and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, that one of the ancient prophets has come back. But you, he asked, for you, he asked them, 
Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Okay, let's look at the paragraph beneath that. During the short period in which the disciples were with Jesus, they saw him do amazing things. Feed the hungry, raise the dead, heal the lame, blind, and disease, and more. Jesus went from an unknown cabinet in a small town in Galilee to the biggest celebrity in all of Palestine. Many people came to love him, yet others despise him. It seems not much has changed over the last 2,000 years. The conversation was still, the conversation we studying in Luke 9 happened in the region of Caesarea Philippi. When he said as a spiritual and cultic center for thousands of years, in that space of spiritual deception and confusion, Jesus, Jesus asked his disciples, who do the crowds say that I am? They responded with the various opinions. People are about Jesus' identity. Their opinions differ. But they all shared one thing in common. Jesus is somebody of importance. We hear similar responses today to your Muslim neighbor. Jesus is a prophet to Buddha's friend. He is an enlightened teacher. Even many atheists regard Jesus as a person of inspiration. All of this is interesting, but the real question the one Jesus would ask each of us is the one he asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter identified Jesus as the long awaited Christ, a revelation that would transform Peter's understanding of himself and change his future. Only when Peter rightly understood who Jesus is, can he correctly align his own life and identity. Okay. Question. Okay. When we look at uh, verse 18, we see that Jesus is praying, as was his custom, something that he was always doing. Uh, the statement that is that, that Jesus' disciples were with him uh, could mean that they rejoined him after his time of prayer and solitude. They were not there at the beginning. Okay, he was he had a custom of going off to pray by himself, and in this particular case, we see that his, his disciples rejoined him. Uh, Jesus, the question Jesus asked them required no commitment on their part. They merely had to report what they had heard regarding the crowds who followed Jesus and listened to his teaching. And so Jesus wanted to, to get an, an idea from them what they were hearing about who people were saying that he was. And then when we look at uh, verse 19, the disciples answered Jesus in accordance with his question. Some of the crowd thought Jesus might be who? 
the reappearance of John the Baptist. Okay, because remember John the Baptist was dead. And this apparently was the view of Herod Antipas. Herod thought that Jesus was the res was a re well, not resurrection, but reincarnation, because they believe in reincarnation. Uh, during Jesus' public ministry. And uh, by this time, Herod had put John to death. Uh, but he, he, he had liked John, and he didn't want John to die, but he had the only request that was given, you know, the, the girl's mother who danced for him. You know, I want to hear John the Baptist. And he was saddened. The scripture said he was saddened that he had to do it because he liked listening to John, even though he didn't, you know, care to do anything John said, but he liked listening to him. That's like some people who like to go to church but don't, don't, are not saved. You know, they like to go and hear the message, but they're not saved. Well, Herod Antipas was like that. And some people thought that, uh, including Herod, Antipas, that Jesus was uh, the reappearance of John the Baptist. The disciples offered the name Elijah as another opinion that they had heard. Some people were saying that Jesus is Elijah. And Elijah was, you know, because of what Jesus was doing, their mind automatically went to Elijah because Elijah was seen as a mighty prophet. Jesus, during his early ministry, was doing some mighty acts and, and miracles. And so the first thing that came, person that came to mind was, boy, he reminded me of Elijah. Could he be Elijah come back? You know, and so Elijah was one of those names that came back. And Elijah was one who also served God faithfully in the days of wicked king Ahab and Jezebel. Remember Jezebel? Story in First Kings chapter 17. Uh, the prophet Malachi predicted that Elijah would appear before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And so because the prophet Malachi predicted or prophesied that, people were thinking that, hey, Jesus is it. Jesus is, is, is Elijah came back. And then some of them assumed that Jesus was Jesus also played the role of Elijah in the announcing of God's day of judgment. Uh, they knew that that was something that uh, Elijah was doing. So they said, well, well Jesus is probably uh, portraying that role of Elijah coming back or God predicting the end of the world. So people had a number of opinions, just like people today. Uh, when they see someone, their mind goes on someone else because that particular person who they see reminds them of someone else. And so this is what we have here. Uh, when these people saw Jesus' teachings and his miracles, it reminded them of John the Baptist and Elijah and, and the great prophets of old. Okay. Um, we Question, two. Question two. What are some words or phrases people use to describe Jesus today? Okay. What are some of the words and phrases that we hear? that people use to describe Jesus today, in our day and time? Awesome. Awesome, okay. The great I am. Alright. Friend that sticks Savior closer than a brother. Friend that sticks closer than a brother. What's that? Savior, Messiah. Savior, Messiah. He's coming soon. Okay, our soon coming king, right? Alright, so there are a number of words and phrases that we hear today uh, that people use to describe the Lord Jesus. Look at the final paragraph on page 83. The last paragraph on page 83. 
Peter identified Jesus as the long-awaited Christ, a revelation that would transform Peter's understanding of himself and change his future. Only when Peter rightly understood who Jesus is could he correctly align his own life and identity. And that's the way it is today. Only when we as believers understand who Jesus is are we able to correctly, to accurately, to properly align our own life and identity. And so that's something that we need to remember. Peter's confession was a major turning point in his own life and in Jesus' public ministry. However, Jesus' reaction in verses 21 to 22 is surprising, to say the least. So let's look at those verses. 21, 22, Jesus' reaction. 9, 21 to 22. But he strictly warned and instructed them to tell this to no one saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed and be raised the third day. Okay, let's look at the activity now. Who are you? On page 85. Yes. Okay. Use the boxes below to record additional words that describe who you are as a person. Example may, may include parent, plumber, and so on. Aunt. Aunt, okay. Godmother. Godmother, mm-hmm. Giving. Mm-hmm. Friend. Mm-hmm. Advisor. Okay. Speaker. Mm-hmm. And Brenda's favorite, prayer warrior. Prayer warrior, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, those are Starry's words. Anybody else have any words? That you got in the right in the box there. And nobody else? Okay, look at the bottom. Choose one of the words you use to describe yourself above. How does having Jesus at the foundation of your identity influence that portion of your life? You may not have voiced anything, but you probably have, have something in mind that you would write in there. Well, being a prayer warrior keeps me grounded and focused on God's word and the truth of his word. Okay. That's important. Anybody else? No. I have a wife. Huh? I said wife. Wife, okay. And having Jesus, I love Okay. Being a parent takes a lot of faith. Of course it does. Patience, okay. All right. All right, let's look at the paragraphs beneath that verse. Someone read that. Peter correctly identified Jesus. Yeah, it is surprising what Jesus told Peter and the other disciples to do with that information. He told them not to tell anyone. What? Aren't we called to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah? Yes. And later Jesus gave these same disciples the commission to be his witnesses to tell anyone and everyone about Jesus. See Acts 1 and 8. At this particular moment in time, though Jesus didn't need the full truth about himself announced, 
Jesus had a precise appointment with death, and he would not die a moment too soon. The word Messiah has become a term that was full of political significance. Many would-be revolutionaries saw themselves as Messiahs. While many eagerly awaited the Messiah, others saw the Christ title as a threat. So, if the disciples ran around declaring this new information about Jesus, the political expectations of fairs of people would have limited his ability to travel free and preach the good news of God. See Mark 1, 14. Although it was not yet time to publicly proclaim Jesus as the Christ, it was important for the disciples to know the truth. Since they acknowledged their full awareness of who Jesus was, he told them, the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed and be raised the very day. At that point, the disciples probably believed, as most Jews did, that the Messiah would be a political leader who would free them from the oppressive rule of Rome in some type of military victory. The disciples likely were crushed to hear that Jesus would not lead them to military victory but instead he would suffer and die. Any political leader might expect opposition and death, but Jesus didn't expect just to die. He told them he would be raised again. He told them before it happened so they would not be surprised, as if the work and ministry of Jesus had all been a mistake and for nothing. It was all part of God's plan that Jesus would die, but he would, but he would also raise, he would also rise again. The Acts 2, 23-24. As hard as this may have been for the disciples to hear, Jesus was about to add a shocking challenge. He was not the only one that was done. Okay. Now let's look at those passages that were referred to as there in the paragraph. Acts 1, 8. Someone find Acts 1, 8 and read it. But you shall receive power, power after the Holy Ghost that has come upon you. And ye shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uppermost part of the earth. Okay, so we see uh, we are challenged, Jesus challenged the disciples to tell everyone about him. So what he said in this, in this passage was kind of shocking because he had already told them, you know, you're going to be witnesses unto me. Okay, Mark uh, 1 14. What does that say? Okay, so the challenge there was to preach the good news of God, and that's what we are challenged to do, right? Look at the next passage. That's Acts 2, 23 and 24. What does that say? Him being delivered by the determined, by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, he have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God had raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be woven of it. Okay, so there we see, we see God's plan, uh, that Jesus would die and that he would rise again from the dead. Right? Look at the uh, question number three. 
on page 84. How would you have felt if you heard Jesus' instructions as one of his disciples? Confused. Confusion, right? Yeah. Okay. Disappointment. Disappointment? Sad. Okay, sad. Especially if you were anxious about doing it, right? You'd definitely be sad. Okay, what else uh, would you feel if you were there and you heard those instructions? I guess confusion tops it off, right? Yeah. That would be the major one. Cool. You know, what, what are we supposed to do? You know, you tell us one thing, now you're telling us something else. Okay. Okay, let's look at the the second paragraph on page 86. As hard as they may have been, as hard as this may have been for the disciples to hear, Jesus was about to add a shocking challenge. He was not the only one that must die. Mm. What do you think they were thinking when they heard that one? <laughs> Who's it going to be? <laughs> Who's it going to be? And they, they probably started looking at one another. <laughs> Who's it going to be? Who's going to die with Jesus? Okay, let's look at the next power passage on page. Uh, what page is that? It's page 80, 86. Luke 9, 23 to 26. Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of, the son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, and that of the Father and the Holy Angels. Go ahead, continue reading. Just as the apostles began to catch their breath after hearing the news of Jesus' divine appointment with death, Jesus told them of their own, Luke 9, 23. It's one of the most important verses for any follower of Jesus. We will never understand who we are until we understand what this verse means for our lives. If we want to call ourselves followers of Christ, we must say yes to Jesus, which means we must, say, we must also say no to ourselves. We must pick up our cross and die to self daily. Every day, we must say no to, us, to our desires, our wishes, and our dreams. And we must say yes to Christ's lordship over our lives. All of this is extremely difficult in our culture. Why? Because we live in a world that caves to self. By the world's standard, everybody is in it for themselves, and everyone is drowning. Drowning in broken relationships because he demands everything be centered on him. Drowning in debt because she has to have it all. Drowning in illness and disease because they have to eat or experience it all. How many times have you seen people work at jobs? They hate to buy stuff. They don't need, so they can't. Well, how many times have you seen people work at jobs they hate to buy stuff they don't need so they can impress people they don't even like? 
How many times have you been in that cycle yourself? Mm. Jesus calls us to be different. Jesus calls us to make a decision about him, but it, but it can't be a private decision. Nobody can be a Christian and keep his or her faith completely private. Jesus wants his followers to be loyal to him, to die to self, and to publicly proclaim their faith in him. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the holy angels. We must understand who Jesus is so that we can understand who we are. Our identities are built on the foundation of his identity. Once we've made that connection, our decision to follow Jesus and to follow him daily changes everything else. All right. That's a powerful one, isn't it? Let's look at some of the points there. Uh, just as the apostles began to catch their breath, after hearing the news of Jesus' divine appointment with death, Jesus told them of their own. That applies to us too. The next point is, if we want to call ourselves followers of Christ, we must say yes to Jesus, which means we must also say no to ourselves. Can we do that? Right. <laughs> That's a tough one, right? Yeah, daily struggle. And then the third point is, Jesus calls us to make a decision about him. But it can't be a private decision. Nobody can be a Christian and keep his or her faith completely private. Do you know anybody who could do that? No. no. They call them closet Christians? Yeah. yeah. Nobody knows they're Christians. <laughs> Only them. And God. Okay, so we can't keep it private. And then the, the fourth uh, point is, we must understand who Jesus is so that we can understand who we are. So there are a lot of Christians walking around today who don't understand who they are because they don't understand who Jesus is. Our identities are built on the foundation of his identity. Okay, so if your identity is not built on Jesus' identity, you're confused. You don't know whether you're going or coming. But let's look at the, 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 uh, the bullet list there. He says, it says everyone is in, in it for themselves. Uh, it's, uh, all of this is extremely difficult in our culture. Why? Because we live in a world that caters to self. Is that true or false? We see that a lot, don't we? Yes. People do all kinds of things. And it's all for themselves. By the world's standard, everybody is in it for themselves. And we often hear that phrase a lot. Whenever somebody wants something or somebody's asking a favor of someone, what's the most common phrase we hear? What's in it for me? Yeah. Right? We hear that, right? What am I going to get out of it? I guess the politicians hear that a lot too. <laughs> what's in it for me? Everyone is drowning. What are they drowning in? Drowning in broken relationships because he demands everything to be centered on him. Drowning in debt. Why? Because they want it all. Drowning in illness and disease because they have to eat or experience it all. Okay? 
So that's an eye opener there. Question number four. What does it look like on a practical level to deny ourselves to daily take up the cross? Okay, so on a practical day-to-day -day level, day-to-day -day experience, day in and day out, what does it look like to deny ourselves? Being different. Being different? Okay, how? By standing up for what you believe in and not being afraid. Okay, and that means not going with the flow, right? That means when everybody going in that direction, you go in the opposite direction, everybody looking at you with cock eye. Yeah. Right? That's what it means, right? Um, when people start looking at you funny because of what you're doing, then you know you're going in the right direction, right? Yeah. Something is wrong with you. <laughs> Definitely something wrong with you. You're different. Your identity is based in Jesus, so you are different. Yes. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. So what else does it look like? When you when they're doing something and you're doing the opposite, I don't like doing that all the time. You look stupid to them. Yes. Right? Right? And the Bible says there's nothing wrong with being fools for Christ, right? Don't be a fool for the devil. Because he don't care. Okay? What else does it look like to deny yourself and take up the cross? Okay, practical. Practical things. Up in this world. Hmm? Don't get caught up with the world, or don't do what the world is doing. Okay, it should, it should. Whatever uh, angers God should anger us. Whatever upsets God should upset us. You know, I was, uh, I was driving somewhere the the day, and, and this car was in the parking lot, and uh, the person was about to move. I guess they were finishing the bank and they were about to leave. And they opened the door and dropped and cup right on, on the ground. And I said, whoa, that nasty person. You know? And then you hear some people say, cleanliness is next to godliness. Is that in scripture? <laughs> people quote that a lot, don't they? Yeah. That's not scripture, right? Never seen it. But it upset, whatever people do that upsets God, it upsets us. On a practical level, and practical means day-to-day down to earth. Okay, what else do we see that should, uh, on a practical level, that uh, demonstrates our denying ourselves and taking up our cross? Okay, loving what he loves and hate what he hates. Okay, like what? <laughs> what does he love and what does he hate? Now there's a, there's a there's a there's a passage in scripture that tells us what God hates, right? What what what's on that list? A lying tongue. Okay. What what what, what, what a lying tongue? Huh? Sin. Sin. What else on that list? Those have caused strife. What else? Shedding blood. Shedding blood. Okay. What about pride? Do we run into people who demonstrate pride? Oh yes. That's one on top of the list. Okay, so all of those things we are to demonstrate in our lives on a practical level that show that we are denying ourselves what ordinarily we would want. Everything else that everybody else wants that we would want, that we would want to go along with the flow, that's what we deny. And that's what it looks like in terms of a, of a practical level. Okay, question number five. 
How can we help one another obey Jesus' instructions in these verses? Always reminding them, WWJD. What did Jesus do? Okay. Always reminding them. Be an irritant, right? Yes. Be an irritant. What, what, what happens when something gets in your eye and, and starts hurting? That's an irritant, right? Yes. So we have to be irritants to one another in reminding other, each other of what it means to be practical in terms of denying ourselves. Huh? I think I am a children. You are? You're supposed to be. <laughs> You're doing your job if you're doing that. Okay, so we have to be our brother's keeper. Yes. Okay, if you see a brother or sister doing something that they shouldn't be doing, do you stay silent and say, boy, look at what she's doing again? You don't think she know better than that? Mm-hmm. You know, we do that, right? Yes. Because we talk under our breath, or we talk behind their back, and we know what they're doing is wrong, yeah. and we don't correct them. We don't say, you know, you know, brother or sister, you know, you, know, you really shouldn't be doing that. That's not, that's not a good example, or that's not a good practical demonstration of your faith in your life in Christ. That's not what you do when you deny yourself. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, they may not like that. Okay? But eventually they're going to appreciate it. Yes. And they may come back to you but 20 years later and say, boy, you know what you said to me that day? I, I realized that, you know, they might, they might say all kind of bad things about you and call you anything but a child of God when you do it, but eventually it's going to stick. And it'll probably cause them to stop doing what they were confronted about doing. Happens all the time. Okay, the point. Jesus' identity is foundational in who I am. And that's the point we need to remember as we go on. Let's look then at uh, how are we going to live this out on page 88. Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. How will you respond to that truth in the days to come, or the days and weeks to come. Consider these suggestions. Research. Take some time to read through your church's statement of faith. You can start with the church's website or with with, with a a church staff member. Uh, That information is on the church website, so you can go and get a computer, you can go on the website and look at the church statement and see what it says. What are some specific truths that statement teaches about Jesus. That's what you want to zero in on when you read that statement. Okay, um, surrender. Saying yes to Jesus as Lord means saying no to yourself. Do a self-examination and surrender any areas of selfishness to him. Question is, can you say no to yourself? Mm-hmm. Some people can't do that. Some people can't do that, you know. Some people say, oh, you know, I'll just do it and then confess later. But they can't say no. So surrender. <laughs> and then finally, share. We are called to tell everyone who Jesus is. Think of someone you know who needs Jesus. Pray as a group for this person to come to know Jesus and pray about your part in that process. Sharing your testimony, inviting him or her to, to, to church, answering questions, and so on, whatever it is, in terms of sharing. Okay, so what do we do? We research, we surrender, and we share. Pretty much straightforward, right? 
Who are you? That's an interesting question, an important question. But you'll never find the best answer without understanding that your identity is directly tied to Christ. Amen? 